a little bit of that. Um, yes, some states are starting to have church now. Texas is having church this weekend because Texans are apparently more resistant to COVID-19 than Coloradans. That's, that's the only thing I can figure. There's no way that everybody has different statistics or maybe we're not on the same page. I'm sure Texas is just more immune. So here's, here's a suggestion. If you have Texas blood in you, maybe you come to church. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Um, let me answer this the same way I've been answering every week when I get questions. Pastor, are we having church? When can we have church again? What are we doing? Let me reiterate this. We have not locked the doors one service uh, since we've been doing this. We have not locked the doors. We will not be locking the doors this weekend. And, and depending on what you want to do, you, you do what you want. If you don't think it's safe, then stay home. Um, if you need to wear masks or gloves coming here, then do that. I, I'm not going to encourage or discourage anything one way or the other. I do know that um, it is your constitutional right to assemble together. So, and, and I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek. I'm not saying that as a joke. That is true. And uh, so you do what you want to do. Uh, we will do the exact same thing we've been doing every single week. All right. Oh, and I do want to mention, uh, we, so we scheduled this back in February of our men's rally, got snowed out, um, <clears throat> scheduled it again for this weekend, having no idea whatsoever that we would be having coronavirus pandemics that would change the face of the planet. Um, but what we are going to do is we've talked with uh, Dave Reber's group about this. Uh, Dave Reber will be, will be here uh, Friday night, the 8th of May. Um, so that we can have our men's rally, and we will put that online. And so all the women that wanted to be a part of this men's rally, I guess you get your wish. I don't think this is right. I don't think it's fair. But apparently you can go online and be a man uh, for a couple of hours during our men's rally, and Dave will be speaking that. And then he's also going to be speaking the following Sunday um, at, uh, for Mother's Day. We're excited about both of those. You'll be able to go online just like regular. There's no differences. You can go online to watch the services. Uh, whatever you want to do there. Okay, so I finished last week with um, talking about this in 1 Corinthians 14. I want to go back there to springboard into the next part of this. So the last couple of Wednesday nights, I've been talking about how God strengthens you, how God will help you um, along the way through difficult circumstances, situations like what we're experiencing right here. So now 1 Corinthians 14 is, is predominantly... Uh, for church body, but he throws some things in there that lets you know some individual things, like I read last week, where at the beginning of um, chapter 14, verse 4, 5, where he says that um, speaking in tongues strengthens you. That's a personal thing. That is not a corporate thing. He's, he's talking about it in a corporate context so that you can understand the difference in the two. Speaking in tongues strengthens you. Prophecy strengthens the body. And then he begins to explain that through the next few verses. That, that if you're going to try to strengthen the body, you need to be speaking in a language they understand. It would not make sense to try to strengthen the body um, speaking in tongues because that strengthens you. There is no way whatsoever that Paul is even leaning slightly toward do not speak in tongues. I've heard ministers say that. I've heard them say this is Paul's way of telling us to stop doing that. 
There's no way, there's no way you can be responsible to Scripture and get that out of 1 Corinthians 14. If you are saying that Paul is, is, is um, uh, wanting us to stop speaking in tongues personally, even in a church service, personally, not like out loud like a gift of tongues, you are completely incorrect. You are being, you are ble- being blatantly irresponsible with Scripture. You have to have a, you have to have a pre-mindset, a pre-set uh, uh, thought condition that says, I don't agree with tongues. That's that's the only way you can get that is, I already don't agree with tongues, so I'm going to try to bend these scriptures to somehow say that you're not supposed to be speaking in tongues personally or even worshiping in tongues or whatever corporately. There's no possible way you can get that. That's why I read last week, when he goes down through this, um, back and forth, okay, make sure that people are being edified through prophecy, things like that. If you're going to have a message in tongues, make sure it's interpreted so that the body is strengthened. You're still strengthened personally by speaking in tongues. Do that. That's why I read in verse 15, and this is so important to us. Right now, please listen to this. This is so important for us as the church and as Christians. This is so important. He says, well, let me back up um, just two verses to get it go into the flow of it. Verse 13, so anyone who speaks in tongues should also pray for the ability to interpret what has been said. There's no way he's saying don't speak in tongues. He's saying if you do... Um, in a corporate setting, interpret it so everybody else gets the same uh, benefit that you're getting. You're being strengthened to make sure they also get that. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. How, how can anyone come up with, this is demonic, this is of yourself, that you're, you're trying to hurt the church, you're, you're off in Lululand or whatever, there's nothing. He says, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. Give me one reason, one reason in the entire existence of humanity or anything in your world or your life where your spirit praying is not a good thing. If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Now, to me, this is huge because if my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm praying. Remember, to be worshiping God, to be praising God, you're going to be doing it in spirit and in truth. So that means... If you're doing this, it's in spirit and in truth, but if you are not the one praying, your spirit is praying, who is the one behind it? It's the Holy Spirit. Why would you not want the Holy Spirit praying through your spirit? This is, is, I believe, one of the greatest reasons right now that the church in America struggles so much on so many different levels. Why, Why... Divorce is, is as high or higher in the church than in society. Why there's no power in the church. Why depression is just as high in the church as it is in society. Why are all these things? Why pornography is just as high in the church as it is in society. Why is all these statistics pretty, pretty accurate? The reason is because we have a form of godliness, but we don't have power. The Holy Spirit is not praying through our spirit. The Holy Spirit is not strengthening our spirit through tongues. The Holy Spirit has not given us power that transcends limitedness of humanity because we are not going into that spiritual realm that allows the Holy Spirit to pray through us. It's called speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. Worshiping in tongues. He says you need to be doing this. That's how you're strengthened. And when you get together in a body, you want to strengthen everybody? Give them something that they can, they can chew on. Give them something from God's Word, from the Holy Spirit, prophetically. Something like that that gives them something to do this. Um, I was talking with our pastors in India this week, and I told them the, the, the only way that you, you can show me in Scripture, the only uh, line of thought 
that get you to arrive at prophetically speaking to the church, edifying the church, strengthening the church, lifting the church up, is if you have gone there first, and that is speaking in tongues. You need to be strengthened first. You need to be built up first. Then you can step in front of the body and help strengthen the body. This has to be the, the formula. that The, the, the church has, has pushed the supernatural and has pushed um, verbal gifts, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, all that stuff, has, has pushed it over to the side. And, and they never did like it from the beginning, the, main, the mainstream church, mainline and evangelical church. But, but, but eventually, during the 60s, 70s, and 80s, they kind of realized, hey, this is legit. And now we've pushed back so much. You've got all these churches that are having charismatic action, but no power. They look uh, empowered, but no power. They have exuberance, but no power. You cannot fake power. You can fake manifestations. You can fake body actions. You can fake anything like that. But you can't fake real power. Because real power, when it comes in contact with the demonic, real power casts out demons. Church exuberance does nothing. When you come to somebody needing to get saved, real power can speak truth to them. Church exuberance can only speak church membership to them. Real power, real power transforms lives, breaks strongholds of depression, breaks strongholds of pornography, breaks strongholds of, of uh, divorce, breaks strongholds of, of just beating the family up, beating people up spiritually and emotionally and all this kind of stuff. True power, true power sets people free from that. True power does not say, well, I guess once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once a, uh, addicted to pornography, always addicted to pornography. Once a wife beater, always a wife beater. That's, that's what church exuberance will say. But real power looks at those things and says, be gone in the name of Jesus. You are no longer an alcoholic. Be gone in the name of Jesus. You are no longer addicted to pornography. You are no longer addicted to drugs. You are no longer caught up in the trap of, of, of domestic violence and spousal abuse. You are no longer caught up in the system of, of spiritual passing it on to generation. Real power transforms and, and completely changes individuals. And that is what is missing in the church so strongly today. And that is why a couple weeks ago on the weekend, I, I, I presented this whole thing. This is why... The church can be so easily deceived by the world. This is why we can be so easily deceived by governments. This is why we can be so easily deceived by, by, um, by cult groups or even false church mentalities. This is why you can be so easily deceived. And we've got major chunks of the church for years and years have been buying into preachers telling you Jesus, crossed out, Jesus Christ died on the cross so you can be a millionaire. Or Jesus Christ died on the cross so you can send this person money so that they can have a jet. That kind of stuff is, is bought into because we don't have true Holy Spirit power that gives us discernment, understanding, deeper knowledge of God's scripture, and, and consistency in understanding God and his word through all this stuff. Real power looks falseness in the face and recognizes it as falseness. But the church today is so much back and forth and back and forth. We'll buy into anything. This is exactly what Paul was telling Timothy when he said, you're like a ship that's just tossed to or fro. You don't have a rudder. You don't know where you're going. You don't know the direction. You don't know what God's word says. You don't know what his spirit is telling you. Why? Because we don't have the power of the spirit. We have the introduction of the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ, which leads us to salvation, but we don't have anything else after that. 
We get saved. The Holy Spirit is, is now pushing us toward Jesus, and, but we don't have a rudder, and we're just going, and we're just flopping, and we're just whatever. We need the power of the Holy Spirit that can look falseness in the face and through discernment supernaturally know, maybe not even exp, uh, being able to explain it, but supernaturally know this is not truth. This is not truth. We don't have power. So then the very next sentence is what I ended with last week. This is so important. Paul says, what then shall I do? He's talking to the church. He's talking to individuals, and he's talking to groups as they gather together. He says, then, guys, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when we get together? We need, speaking in tongues strengthens me. Prophecy strengthens you. We need to have certain um, uh, balance and order of how that works within services. It should be in every service, by the way, which is also what he is saying through this whole thing. So when people say, well, I don't think it should be in church services, you're not reading the same Bible I am. This, the, 12 and 14 are constantly talking about, you need this in the church, this is how. You need this, this is how. If you somehow come up with, well, we don't need it, you're not reading the scriptures, you're deciding something in your own spirit according to your theology, not God. So then he says, what shall I do? I will. Pray in the Spirit. That's tongues. How do we know it's tongues? Because the next thing he says is the opposite of tongues. I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. In other words, praying in the Spirit is not something you understand. Well, he just told us in verse 14, I don't understand what I'm saying when I'm, when I'm praying in tongues because my Spirit is praying. So then he says, but I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray in my language. Pray in tongues, pray in my language. I will sing in the spirit, and I will sing, or sing in tongues, and I will sing in my language. This is so important for us. I really do believe this. You, you, you got to get this in your spirit. You got to internalize this. I strongly believe the reason that we struggle so much with things like depression and anxieties and fears and all this kind of stuff is because we are not regularly uh, praying in tongues and, and worshiping in tongues. We are only doing that in our own understanding or our own language. Your own language is still completely limited to you. You're not praying in the Spirit when you're praying in your language. You're not. They're, they're, they're separated here. They cannot be the same thing. They're separated. You're praying in your own language. That's a good thing to do. But that is going to be very limited in any kind of power context. Praying in your own language doesn't strengthen you like praying in tongues strengthens you. Praying in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is praying through you. We've got, to, we've got to go here, church. We've got to. And if we don't start going here as a church, and, I, and I'm not saying church at Briargate. I, I, I believe many of you is, are going there regularly. But if we as the church do not start going there, we are going to be so easily deceived by the Antichrist, by end times, by all the stuff. We're going to be deceived because we don't have the power that leads to discernment, the power that leads to faith, the power that leads to the, to the prophecy and all the other. We don't have the power. That starts with Acts chapter 2. They all spoke in tongues. You've got to have the power. You've got to have the power, not just the knowledge, the understanding. Knowledge and understanding is good, but it is so small in comparison to that knowledge being empowered, that knowledge and understanding being empowered. As we've got to have this. So, so what, is, what is part of the deal here? I really think that, that part of the reason that we struggle with some of this is because we don't have, and, and this is an overarching statement, you're going to have to individualize this. Um, there's no way I, can, I could individualize it, but you're going to have to individualize this um, into 
uh, how to get your mind right or to have the mind of Christ. I believe that, that um, most Christians have the mind of Christ, but like selectively. In fact, I think every one of us do at some level. You could easily argue this, and nobody has the complete mind of Christ. That's a given. But how, how, where do we have the mind of Christ? Where do we not? There's things that, w- that our mind is right up with Jesus about. and there's things, Now, this is not a salvation issue, okay? It's not a, am I going to heaven or not? This is, this is how we think on a daily basis as a Christian. How do we think? Do we have the mind of Christ? Okay, we'll break that down. You can begin to put, put large categories together and then easily be able to break those. I'm saying quickly within your own self, break those down into smaller categories. Do I have the mind of Christ about what? About myself. That's a big category. Do I have the mind of Christ about myself? Do I have the mind of Christ about my family? Starting with my marriage. That's the priority over the children. Do I have the mind of Christ in my marriage? Do I have the mind of Christ with my children? Do I have the mind of Christ in how we operate as a family or a group together? Do I have the mind of Christ? And you, and you can break this down in so many ways. Okay, the next thing. Do I have the mind of Christ in God's Word? For God's Word, do I have the mind of Christ? There are, there are categories that we will. Do I have the mind of Christ about um, grace? Maybe yes, maybe no. Do I have the mind of Christ about um, uh, salvation? What does it mean to get saved? Uh, what does it mean to stay saved? Do you just automatically stay? I mean, these are, we, we say these are theological things, but really this is, do I, do I have the mind of Christ? Am I thinking like Christ told me to think? Because he gives us plenty of information to think like he thinks. Okay? Do I have the mind of Christ about uh, my workplace? Break that down. You, you know the categories, you know the situations. My boss, am I the boss? All these. Do I have the mind of Christ? Do I have the mind of Christ about Finances, another major category. Do I have the mind of Christ? Am I thinking like Jesus financially? Am I thinking? I, I, we had a great moment this week with our pastors in India. They begin to explain to us how, and they've, they've been working toward a bunch of stuff. That, that to us, some of this may sound very easy and simplistic, and this is just the way it is. But, but um, one of these guys didn't have any knowledge of Jesus until he was a late teenager. Um, the other one grew up in the church, but he, had, he didn't grow up in a mentality or thinking of, uh, of just surrendering and ministry and all this other kind of stuff. But they were both talking to us this week saying that um, they, they've been taking their tithe and setting it apart for working of the ministry of the church. Well, we've been talking to them about that a long time. Um, and then they began, so I, I asked the question, well, what are you doing with this? You're saying you're tithing, and we know their salary because we're paying their salary. And they said, well, we're taking that tenth, and they said the number, and it was tenth. And, um, and they said, we're setting that apart for, uh, for buying um, uh, rice, and they named three or four things, but basically basic uh, food staples in India. And they said, and we started going to this area of town and passing out some of this food. We can't get in contact, so we have to give it to this other guy that's an official, and he hands it out. They said, but we're right there. And I said, can you take pictures? They said, we can't take pictures. The government won't let us. Uh, take pictures while we're doing that. I said, okay, that's fine. They said, but they, they explained people and they explained what happened. They explained hand, that this family getting the food and all this kind of stuff. But just the idea that they are getting the mind of Christ about two categories. They're getting the mind of Christ about their finances, but also how they invest as ministers. First is, as a Christian, I'm tithing to the church that they happen to pastor. I'm tithing to the church. And then as a, um, as a pastor, how do we, how do we disseminate that? 
How do we process that into people's lives and into real ministry? How you take a dollar and, and process that into ministry? They're getting the mind of Christ. And we talked about that for a while. Just And I, and I got so excited with them. I told them, guys, this is what ministry is. And they said, we're on the corner. And both of them were getting emotional. And they said, we're on the corner watching the food go on. And, and they said, it was such an amazing one. I said, guys, that is ministry. That's getting the mind of Christ. That your money is not just yours. It's a tool that you can use for something. It's a tool that you change others. That you can do stuff. That you can take the gospel to people. That you can help the poor. All these things. That is the mind of of Christ about your finances. And, and, you, and again, you can go to all different categories, okay? But I want to just kind of go with an overarching sense. Having the mind of Christ. Going back to, I pray in the Spirit. I pray in my language. I, pr- I, I worship in the Spirit. I worship in my language. That will get you in the mind of Christ. That will get you thinking the way Jesus sings. Just praying in tongues. Just praying in tongues. Praying in tongues, you'll be surprised at how quickly your mind will begin to change. And the way you're thinking about things begin to change. And the people you think about and how you begin to pray for people, all that stuff can change so quickly. If you'll just spend some time and let the Holy Spirit roll through you and just pray in tongues. And so, so I've had some questions this week, so let me explain it. People are saying, well, I, I'm, I'm worried, I'm nervous, you know, I don't, do, can you just start praying in tongues? You can start praying in tongues whenever you desire to pray in tongues. How do we know that? There's so much information in chapter 12 and 14. Now, there's so much information all through the New Testament, but so much just in 12 and just in 14 that lets us know that we're in charge of our mouth and our tongue. We're in charge of what comes out of them. But, but, but when we pray in tongues, although we are the one choosing to do it, we're the one that begins to speak the words. Those are words from the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I don't know how that works. You're not supposed to. He specifically says, you don't know how it works. You don't know what you're saying, but you're the one saying it. How do we know this? Because he tells us um, if there's a message in tongues, there should be an interpretation. If you go a while without some interpretations, stop the message in tongues. if If it's God taking over your body and you have no control, then how can you stop it? You're the one that's in charge. It's just from the Lord. You're the one that's in charge. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's given to us by the Holy Spirit. But you're the one that's in charge. So you say, well, how do I know when that's going to happen or when it's not? When is the Holy Spirit wanting to do this and when he's not? Here's the simple, here's the simple answer. Holy Spirit's wanting to do that all the time, 24-7. It, there is never a moment when the Holy Spirit is not wanting to roll through you and strengthen you and, and have you begin to speak in tongues. And except if you're in a corporate thing or you're at work, then you go into your head and you're not out loud, okay? Now, during worship time in our services, you can speak in tongues out loud. That, that's, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying when you're talking to somebody or somebody's trying to understand something from you. But besides that, the Holy Spirit is wanting to have you speak in tongues all the time. You're just the one who engages your mouth. You're just the one who steps out there and engages your mouth. And I've had people ask me, so you can speak in tongues anytime you want? Yes. We'll do it now. No. Why? It's not about you. It's not about trying to prove something to you. It's not about you. It's about me and the Holy Spirit talking together. Can I pray in tongues anytime? Yes. Yes. He says um, two or three messages in tongues. After that, uh, stop. Well, then what does that mean? You are the one in charge of your own mouth. You decide that. So how, how do you start speaking in tongues? You just do it. 
It's, it's, a, it's interesting and challenging and mysterious. At first, it always remains mysterious, but it becomes not challenging after a while. You just speak in tongues. Just pray in tongues. Just pray. He just says here, so what am I going to do? I will pray in the Spirit. Well, if he, does he have to wait for the Holy Spirit? That's not what he says. He says, I'll pray in the Spirit. Then I'll pray in my own language. Then I'll pray in the Spirit. Then I'll pray in my own language. Are you waiting for the Holy Spirit? No, the Holy Spirit is waiting for you. He's waiting for you. You are not waiting for the Holy Spirit. So, so I believe the beginning of, of everything about the mind of Christ, understanding his heartbeat and everything, has to do with letting the Holy Spirit get deep into your spirit so that he can give you revelation and understanding about these things. This is, this is the basic concept of, of word of knowledge, word of prophecy, or discernment. Or these, are, these are The Holy Spirit is showing you stuff that's bigger than you or outside your natural context. You need the mind of Christ. That's not your natural context. You need the Holy Spirit to help you do that. Okay? So here, here is another thing with this. <clears throat> um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. This is getting the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ will chase out fear and anxiety. The mind of Christ will give, give clarity when there is, there is um, concern or confusion. The mind of Christ can help this. Holy Spirit is the one who does this. Verse 6 of Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. But pray, instead pray about everything. What he's saying, break it down. What he's saying, this is naturally understood. You know this. What he's saying is, if you're worrying about something, it's because you're not praying about it. You cannot pray about it and continue to worry about it. Eventually, the power of the Lord, the power of his Holy Spirit, the praying in the Spirit, not just in your own language, but prayer will begin to combat worry and eventually push worry aside. Well, okay, well, what about fear? Well, worry leads to fear. Worry is level one. Fear is somewhere up into that. So you want to fight fear, begin to pray instead, and he will, the Holy Spirit will attack the stuff that is leading from worry and to anxiety and to, 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 to frustration, to fear, whatever the case is. You can combat fear. You can combat anxiety. You can combat stress. You can combat worry. I, I know, I, I know that, that I use this example... Some people think it's not a great example, but, you know, I don't care. So I'm going to use this example again because it gets us there very quickly. I used to have this conversation with my wife. She used to be. She still is some, but not like she used to be. First, first five, ten years we were married, she was so afraid of flying. Um, we, I'd sit down beside her, and she'd literally just grip my hand and just nails into my hand to the point where I, I began to not let her hold my hand. But then I'm a bad husband, and she'll look at me with tears in her eyes. I can't hold your hand. You know, I, I'm, she's looking at me like, I'm the only thing that's going to keep this plane flying is she's holding my hand. So then this happened accidentally one time. They put us in different seats, and I realized I, I prefer to fly that way, at least back in those days. Nowadays, I like to fly with Linda because she's not as scared. But right as we would take off, she'd grab my hand. She was scared to death. And I would always say the same thing. Now, this is, an over, this is an overdo it so that she thinks about it. I don't know if it's right or wrong. It's just the way I did it. And I would tell her, you realize if this plane is going to blow up and go down in a big ball of fire, there's nothing you can do about it. Now, to me, shouldn't that just calm her down? Shouldn't that immediately be just, you know what, you're right. I haven't thought about it like that. I should not be scared. Uh, it usually didn't have that effect. It had a very much opposite effect. So she went from gripping my hand to slapping me and gripping my hand, slapping me and gripping my hand. And I thought, well, this isn't helping. But what I was trying to say is show, show one thing that changes when you worry about something. 
Show one thing that changes when you're anxious about something. Show one thing that changes. And I'm saying in, in a positive or negative. Well, negative, you can name a bunch of things. But does worry change the bills? No. Just makes you upset. Does fear change the bills? No. Does fear make you healthy? No. Does fear make you immune? No. Only thing it does is it takes the issue and now it makes it worse because now you've got a lot of other emotional stuff involved with it. Guys, worry doesn't accomplish anything. So we shouldn't be worried about anything. Well, then how do I combat that? He tells us right here, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. When you feel worry creeping in, begin to pray. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. And, and, and I've, had, I've had people say, well, what should we pray about? I don't think that's actually as important. Pray about the worry however you want to. I don't think that's as important as the consistency of praying about everything. In other words, keep praying. It's not as important as what you're praying, but keep praying until you begin to feel the Holy Spirit break down that worry, break down that fear. Keep praying until it begins to break it down. Break it down. Keep praying until it's breaking down. I'm breaking down. And you will, you'll know that. You'll know. You'll begin to feel that worry begin to subside, subside and you'll begin to feel the Holy Spirit strengthening you. You do that like Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 14, in tongues and in, in, in your language, tongues in your language. And you'll, man, that worry will go quickly. That fear will be defeated quickly. That anxiety will be defeated quickly. That depression. Guys, I know with what I speak here. I have watched in my own life, my own mind, and my own spirit, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, and that depression will begin to, to, to be eliminated, pushed down, pushed down, pushed down. The, when I, years ago, when I went through major depression, I didn't keep that consistent. That's the thing that it took me, it took me quite a few months to really figure this out. I would pray and pray and pray until I felt the depression begin to squeeze down, to squeeze down to almost nothing, and then I would feel this release in my mind and my spirit, and I would feel that freedom from that depression, and so I would stop praying. And, I, and I, it took me a long time to realize I was beating it down, but I wasn't destroying it. And the next day, the depression's back, and I beat it down some, some days more than others, until I finally began to pray in the Spirit and pray Scriptures and pray Scriptures, and I began to do this day after day after day after day, week after week, specifically about this, until I could feel the depression being beat down, broken half, destroyed, and thrown away. That's victory. That's when you've won. Not, not when you just feel better, but when you've truly won. And that thing is out of your existence, it's out of your mind, it's out of your spirit. And if you ever feel it start creeping back in, take authority over it again and begin to pray until it runs, run, begins to run away screaming. Um, um, Smith Wigglesworth came up to a um, bus stop one time, and this lady had this uh, little dog, and uh, the dog, and just barking at every little person, and, um, and uh, the, the lady kept saying, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, whatever the dog's name, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, shh, shh, stop barking, stop barking, stop barking, and finally he jumped up, slammed his feet on the ground, and said, shut up, dog, and that dog never barked again. Well, while he was there, and I mean, not like it became mute, but the dog didn't, he quit, immediately quit barking, and he looked at the lady, and he says, and that's the same thing we need to do to Satan. 
You don't play around with Satan. You take authority and you tell him the way it is. And that, that's always stuck in my head, partly because I see people, I see the same thing with their kids. They tell their dogs and their kids a thousand times, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, do that. And you want to just say, just, just take authority over that situation. Take authority over that child. Take authority over that dog. Take authority over this circumstance. You're the one that's in charge. You're the one that's in charge. But parents don't believe that. Guess what? Christians don't believe that either. We don't really think that we have the power to look at something and say, you're not in charge. Part of the reason I think, I believe that we don't think that, is because we haven't walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. We've only walked in the knowledge of God's Word. The knowledge of God's Word alone will not get you there. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to empower it. So you begin to realize in your mind and in your spirit, you have the authority. You are in charge. Satan is not in charge. Through the name of Jesus Christ, because he has covered you with his blood and he has made you his, his ambassador, you have the authority over Satan. You have the authority over worry. You have the authority over anxiety. You have the authority over fear. You have the authority over stress. You are the one that is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. But guys, we got to back up and get in that power of the Holy Spirit. Then we can begin to speak that authority. We do not have to let Satan mess with us. So he continues. Let me read again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. This, this is something that I think is a good way to get this in your head. I think it's very scripturally accurate. Thank God for on this side of the miracle. Thank God before you see the actual miracle take place. Why? Because faith says that he's in charge and in authority. And I'm saying things that we know Scripture tells us. Not just stuff that you want, although I don't think it's wrong in those circumstances, but things that God has already told us. You can thank God that he's already done that. He has already taken care of that. Forgiven. He's already forgiven you. You can thank God for that. Before you feel it, before you understand it rationally, you can thank God. He says, thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds, the way you feel, the way you think, as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, here's, here's the kicker for this. This, this, is, why, this is why I think we, we struggle so much at all times in history, but maybe it's just because now is when I'm alive. It seems like right now we're struggling with this, specifically in America. We are struggling with this more than in my um, short lifespan that I've seen. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. God was showing me this last week and some this week, that what, what pops into my mind just randomly, you know, I'm driving through the day, whatever the case is, interacting, whatever, not interacting. What, what just pops into my mind? If you begin to kind of process that, um, I actually began to make some notes about this. Anything, something would pop into my mind, a thought process or, a, or a, um, a TV show or a song, or something, I would write it down. And then, and then begin to gauge how much of that stuff is God's stuff and how much of that stuff is not God's stuff. And specifically, if it's coming from memory, not, not necessarily you're experiencing things and you're interacting with it, all that would be the same category. But I'm saying like you're sitting around and a song comes to your head. Is this song about God? Is it not about God? What is it about? Why, why is that popping to your head? The, the, the simple answer to those things is the stuff pops into our head because that is what is there, and that's the, that's the, um, that's the, uh, the most of the stuff that's in there is what's popping into my head. Okay? 
uh, a TV show or something. The most of what's in there is popping into your head. That's why he says right here, one final thing, fix your thoughts. You have the choice. Fix your thoughts. And then he gives us a list of stuff that we should be thinking about. Why does, um, why does some kind of, um, of uh, temptation or lust or something else pop into your head? One of the reasons, because Satan is constantly trying to get it in there. But the reason that he can be more successful sometimes than other times is because we've been letting our mind go down roads that it shouldn't be going down. We're looking at stuff, we're listening to stuff, we're involving our lives in stuff that it shouldn't be involved, those things should not be in our life. We are not fixing our thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. If you're fixing your thoughts on those things, it's much, much, much more difficult for Satan to get something else in there. But if, if, if what he's trying to get in there, you're dwelling on, you're concentrating on, you're focusing on, then he, he, what he's throwing in there is just part of the mix. It fits comfortably in that stream. That to get our, our minds on Christ or to get the mind of Christ, we've got to get our stream, our stream of consciousness, our stream of focus, our, the, the um, magnitude of what's coming into our brain, mind, spirit, getting into our heart, turning over and then coming back out in, in thoughts and in directions and all kinds of stuff in our life, we've got to fix our thoughts on the right stuff to get them in there and digesting. If you're fixing on the fixating or, or concentrating or putting in the wrong stuff, that's what's swirling around in your spirit, and that's what gives Satan good platform to be able to get your mind in the wrong place. That's what gets your mind on fear. Or th- this, is, this is one of the things I've told guys, specifically guys that have struggled with pornography before, this should, be, this should be a given. This should be a no-brainer. But it's amazing how we can so easily deceive ourselves. If you're putting stuff in your brain that may not be in the category of pornography, but not good, um, th- this is why I've, I've used this example forever. And I, I, the first time I ever used this example was like 26, 27 years ago. And, um, and I thought to myself, years from now, this probably won't be the issue. It'll be something else. It is still the issue today. Um, I used to tell guys, and I get flagged for this. I tell guys, can you give me one legitimate reason that you need, as a man, you need the Sports Illustrated swim issue? Can you give one legitimate reason that Jesus wants you to have the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition? The answer is no. The reason, because the next step that first, nowadays, I remember back in the day, uh, swimsuit editions, there was actually a time when they were one-piece bathing suits. I know you'd be like, what? But that was a legitimate thing. Um, but we've convinced ourselves that that's okay. Guys, that's, 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 if, if you want to call it an edge, that's an edge of pornography. I believe, that, I believe it's the same thing. I believe it pushes you into that. Um, but the thing is, is if you struggle with pornography before, you don't ever need to look at that stuff because it's going to take you there. It's going to take you there. There's no way that it can't take you there. This is the thing that gets me is we can justify so much stuff. This is the mind of Christ. Is, are those kind of things true and admirable and honorable? And No, those are, those are at the very least edge. At the very least, the opposite edge of that. And it will take you into those, those, non, those bad thought places. Guys, girls, it's the same. We all have our own things. We all have our own issues. 
that, that will pull our mind away from Jesus. Get your mind on Christ. How do you do that? You pray about everything. You get your mind right. You let the peace of God guard your heart and your mind. You get your mind right. Then you think on things that God has told you to think on. He has a list right here. You get your mind right. When your mind is right, you can combat the other things that Satan is trying to do to you so much easier. When your mind is just allowed to go wherever and, and even consciously going down roads that it shouldn't, then whatever your your natural issues are, you're going to struggle with them more. If your natural tendency is to, to have fear, you're going to get fear quicker and you're going to stay there longer when your mind is not on the things that it's supposed to be on. Because Satan is setting you up. You think, well, that stuff is not all that bad. But, but fear is my issue. Okay, well, Satan is setting the groundwork over here because your mind is not of Christ. So then when he has the opportunity to bring fear up, there's nothing to combat it. You're not in the mind of Christ. You're not walking the way he wants you to mentally, not just emotionally and all these other things, but you're not walking the way mentally he wants you to walk. He tells us, fix your thoughts on what is true. So much we need to do that nowadays. So much we need to do that. This is why this, this seems like a little thing. And if you're older, this may not be a big thing to you, but it's amazing how much trash you can get so quickly through things like TikTok. How much Trash quickly. I'm saying in 30 seconds, you can get 15, 20 different, just maybe not completely horrible God, uh, uh, anti-Christ spiritual mentality, but it's just not the mind of Christ. It's just junk. It's just junk. It's just, and it's borderline filth. It's borderline wrong thinking. It's borderline um, LGBT thinking. It's borderline. You can get so much junk so quickly. Well, fix your thoughts on what's true. Not what Satan's trying to tell you, but what's true. What is honorable? Fix your thoughts on what is honorable. I can tell you one of the things, and this is going to affect people differently, but here's, here's one of the things that you might consider doing. Getting off social media except only certain times. Our, our teenagers know this better than anybody else. They, they take a time frame every year where they fast. They do a media fast for 30 days. Is that how long is a month? They do a media fast for 30 days. That first day off that media fast, you'd be surprised at how, how rank everything seems, how immoral everything seems that you just kind of took as part of the day 30 days before that. But when you fast that, the first time I ever fasted, this is from food, okay, but it works in all areas, right? The first time I ever fasted, I fasted 11 days. I, did, I had never fasted. I didn't know much about it. I had to do some studying. I had to get old books. This is before the internet, old books out of the library and stuff like that. Because nobody taught fasting. I never heard it. I didn't hear it in Bible school. I never heard it in church going on. I heard the word, but I didn't understand it. Nobody ever told me. And you just didn't see anybody doing it. And so I began to study this, and, and I fasted, and I fasted 11 days. There was nothing magical about 11. I just fasted for a while until I stopped. I didn't have a time frame. I, I wanted to go at least a week. And uh, we had this place that we, that we used to go to that to this day, they're still in, our, in Lynn and I's world. Still the best onion rings we've ever tasted. Big, big barbecue restaurant. Maybe take one of those baskets, fry baskets, and just shove all these onion rings down in there. The lightest, flakiest, crispiest, not the big grainy type of onions, light, flaky, beautiful works of art. And then they would fry them, and then they would flip it over on the plate and bring it out to you in this big brick that looked just like the fry basket. They were the most amazing onion rings ever. Never found anything close to it to this day. And um, I'd fast 11 days. I thought to myself, okay, tomorrow I'm going to stop the fast and I'm going to eat. 
And, I, and Linda said, well, where do you want to eat? I had never fasted before. I've learned some things since then. I said, I want to go to Charlie's, and I want to eat barbecue, and I want a plate full of those onion rings. She said, let's do this. Now, first, I've learned so much. There's certain things you should eat and many, many things you should not coming off of a fast, especially that long. Here's some, and I still make this mistake regularly. Don't eat Mexican food. Don't do it. It's not a good idea. A big old plate of onion rings and barbecue, not a good idea. But here's something I learned. This is weird. They bring that big old plate. I'm, I'm literally drooling. I am so hungry. I, I, and I reach out and I grab that onion ring and dip in a little ketchup. I put it in my mouth. And the only thing I could taste was the grease that had fried it. I'd never tasted that grease before. And it wasn't because it was old grease or whatever. But something that I just, I, was a, was a tactical, tactile taste, enjoyment, pleasure thing. Because I had not had anything for so long, every one of my taste buds, all of my senses were so heightened that I tasted past the top layer and I tasted all the other stuff. You fast something like Facebook for a week, two weeks, you'll be, you'll be horrified by what you see when you come back. You fast um, any kind of social media, you fast TV, you fast Netflix, you fast, put yourself on a fast of that stuff, and you'll, you'll see how your senses will move past the topical layer that you're always at, and it'll move deeper, and you'll see things you didn't see, and you'll, and you'll be pushed back by things you weren't pushed back by before. Why? Because our sensitivities are so dulled when we just go through life. They're so dulled. Fasting pushes all that stuff away, clears your mind and your spirit, so that your spiritual sensitivity is so much higher that you can sense God, you can hear his voice, you know his word deeper. But what happens is when Satan throws something at you, the world throws something at you, you look past it because your sensitivities are so high that you see the reality of it. Because that's huge. That is, that is so powerful. Let, let the Holy Spirit show you this stuff. Think on what is true and admirable, honorable, right, pure, lovely. Think about these things. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And you fo focus on that. And you teach your mind to focus on that. You get the mind of Christ Focusing on that, and you'll be surprised at how quickly you can look past the stuff and you can see things that you were looking at before, but you didn't see them. Things in your own life, things in your spiritual walk, things in your family, things that you didn't see before, and all of a sudden you can see them. Why? Because you have the truly, you're getting the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You're going there in ways that you don't go in your normal walk of life. But you got to get your mind on the right things to be able to recognize the wrong things. If we're just floating through life and all of that is so mixed up together and there's so much junk and a little bit of God here and there and so much junk, it's hard to look past all the stuff and see truth and reality. He says, keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. What is he talking about? The things that he's, you saw him uh, saying and doing? God's word. God's word and the things of God. So, <clears throat> I want to go to uh, the first. The first thing is what I just went over. Think Jesus' thoughts. I, I always think about the old um, uh, Robin Hood movie. It was called Hook with uh, Robin Williams, and um, and they're trying to teach uh, uh, Robin Williams, Robin Hood, how to fly again. Peter Pan. It wasn't Hook. 
Oh, Peter Pan. Yeah, no, yeah. There's, okay, guys, I'm talking to TV land. You guys be quiet. So, um, Peter Pan, not Robin Hood. Correct. Thank you, Lord, for that divine intervention there. Um, this is uh, Peter Pan. And they're trying to get Peter Pan, who's now an old man, Robin Williams, and he's forgotten all the stuff. They're trying to get him to fly. And I, and I say this line all the time, and I don't think anybody ever remembers it, because when I say this, people just look at me like, what? But one of the kids, one of the lost boys, he's standing there holding a big sign, and they had painted all these signs to help him because uh, uh, Peter Pan wasn't flying. And then one of them said, Tink Happy Tots. And I always say that. I've said that to my kids for years, Tink Happy Tots. And nobody ever understands because I guess that, that didn't mean as much to them. But that little moment in the movie was powerful for me. Tink Happy Tots because that's the only way you can fly. And I think for us, it's the same thing. You get... Think Jesus' thoughts. Think Jesus' thoughts. you got to get to Jesus' thoughts, not you thoughts, not world thoughts, not um, TV news thoughts. Think Jesus' thoughts. The second part of this is we have to learn how to deal with non-Jesus thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10. This, this, is, this is where I always start when it comes to getting your mind right. Why? Because to me, this is the, this is the key foundational scripture that explains so many other things and helps us understand other scriptures. He says in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 10, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. This is one of our problems. This is one of the church's problems today is the church tries to wage spiritual battles through human methods. Spiritual battles such as <clears throat> healing, salvation, uh, understanding God's word, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, all these different things. We try to deal with spiritual issues, but we do it with human thoughts. In other words, church growth methods or church strategies or, or um, theological outlines and all this other stuff where we can just go. We know we can, if we work hard enough, we can get there. We can understand it. We can, but that's, that's the problem is we're trying to deal with spiritual things. Why do people not get healed? Because healing is a supernatural thing, and we're trying to deal with it on physical levels. Why do people not walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Because that's a supernatural thing, and we're trying to deal with it on physical levels. Why, why is the kingdom of God not growing, but churches are growing? Because we're trying to deal with it on a, a, a supernatural thing on human levels. You can get people into churches, but you cannot get anyone into the kingdom of God. That's a Holy Spirit thing. We can get anybody, we can get tons of people in churches, but you can't save one soul. It's a Holy Spirit thing. So we've got to combat this, this mentality that we can fight spiritual battles with human means. That we can do this on human levels. There's a song, um, this is how I fight my battles, and it has to do with worshiping. And, and, I, and I don't totally disagree with the psalm. The problem is, is we're still doing that on human levels. This is how I fight my battles. One of the things I have a problem with the song is that's the only thing they say in the song. But this is how I fight my battles. By worshiping, okay? But worshiping what? In spirit and in truth? Or are we just worshiping in truth? A lot of us know how to worship in truth. The words on the screen are true, but we're not taking them into a spiritual place in our own existence. We're not worshiping in the spirit. We're not worshiping in, in tongues. We are only worshiping in our own understanding. Going back to 1 Corinthians 14, 15. We are only worshiping in our own understanding. You have to also worship in tongues. You have to worship in spirit. Why? Because that is what actually fights the battles. The Holy Spirit. You cannot fight Satan on physical levels. You have to fight Satan on spiritual levels. Let me read it again. 
We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. God's weapons are mighty. Worldly weapons are only worldly. God's weapons are mighty, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. So in other words, how do you knock down strongholds of human reasoning? Through God's mighty weapons. Now this is not an indictment, it's just a tweak. I just wanted to use this as a kind of a tweak to think about this. Um, for years and years, I was all about, um, I was all about um, apologetics, Christian apologetics, because I'm wired that way. To me, it's about knowledge, understanding, reasoning. I, I, feel like, I feel like I can just about reason out and understand just about anything out there, which is, which is a humanistic lie, by the way. That is the basis of humanism, by the way. But that's kind of the way I've always thought about stuff. If I think about it hard enough, I study it hard enough, I can come to the right conclusions. The problem is, is I'm trying to do something, and I would say this across the board, but specifically, for example, the science. Science is something that God gives us the ability to have knowledge of. He's already designed it all. He's just given us little knowledge things along the way to help us understand it. But it's still God. It's still spiritual. It's still, it's still Him. And if we could approach science from the point of view of, Holy Spirit, show me something today, you'd be amazed at how quicker you could arrive at conclusions and get to deeper truths scientifically because it's a God thing. It's not a human thing. And we're trying to deal with it on human levels. But he says, if you're going to deal with human reasoning, you need to do it with God's mighty weapons because human weapons, or and you can put anything in the category of weapons, um, the human understanding, reasoning, processing is so, so limited that you will not ever be able to get there until you fight this out with God's mighty weapons. Let me say it again. Let me take out the not worldly weapons thing first, okay, just to read through it, and then we'll add it back in. We use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. We use God's weapons, not human weapons. And this is where I think apologetics can get a little bit um, in the way sometimes. We, we can convince ourselves that if I come up with a solid enough A, B, C, D, A to Z reasoning of Christian understanding and theological understanding and God's Word, if I can present a solid, strong enough argument, then I can convince them and change their mind. Wrong. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can change your mind. You say, but it's God's Word and it's, it's living and it's active. That's true, but it is still you that is saying it. And so th there has to be that moment where there is divine understanding, divine revelation, divine insight, supernatural mental breakthrough for the other person. You cannot reason somebody to Christ. You cannot reason somebody to salvation. You cannot reason somebody to truth. Ultimate truth has to be supernaturally revealed. So he says, we use God's weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. You can explain all day long to somebody all the elements of abortion. That's a baby. It's not your body. That's a different body in there. That's not a fetus. It's a human. There's life within that, all those other things. But until the Holy Spirit breaks through, breaks the false arguments, takes the, the veils off their eyes, and spiritually awakens them to the reality that God made that baby, you'll never win the argument. You're never ever going to win the argument. You might soften their heart about 
their own baby, or, or they, but you're never going to win the argument. It's the same thing about um, all of the homosexual lesbian stuff. You're never going to destroy the false argument until the Holy Spirit, through the power of God, begins to tear that down. You still need to do the human reasoning. I still think apologetics is legit, but at the end of the day, apologetics doesn't do it. It's the apologetics anointed by the Holy Spirit, and that's why sometimes it doesn't take sound reasoning, all this stuff. It just takes somebody saying, I know who Jesus is, and this is what he did in me. Not, it may not make total sense to everybody. It may not fit all the criteria of how Scripture says we, we move into relationship with Christ or whatever, but, but, the, but them saying, this is what Jesus did in me, and the Holy Spirit takes that anointed, that'll break down false arguments. That is supernatural because it is, it is, it's a God moment that he's doing. Again, this is not an indictment of apologetics. I, I can't get away from that. That's how I think. I, I systematically break this stuff down apologetically. I think I can prove things to people. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm limited by the major thing. Holy Spirit has to break down those false arguments. So we've got to get our mind in the right thinking mode. How do we do that? Stop trying to fight it on your own level and fight it on a supernatural level. Use God's weapons, not your weapons. If you're struggling with whatever the issue, go back to the ones I've been talking about, fear or anxieties or, or, um, or worry or doubt or whatever those kind of things. But, but take that into anything. Um, struggling with um, being forgiven. Struggling with forgiving others. Struggling with some way that, um, that this issue went down in your world or your life. And, and you can take anything, take any scenario in your life. If you fight it with your own weapons, you're not going to get very far. Eventually, you've got to lay down all your weapons, lay down all your reasoning, lay down all your thought processes, and get in the mind of Christ. Use God's world, uh, supernatural mighty weapons, not your worldly weapons. Use God's supernatural weapons, which are what? I've already given you some of those, and there's tons of other scriptures that tell you the same thing. Think on the things of Christ. Think what is, what is fair and, and uh, um, honorable and loving. Think on the things of God. Let the peace of God guard your heart and your mind. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in your language. Worship in the Spirit. Worship in your language. Let the Holy Spirit empower. These are the, these are the mighty weapons of God. These are the mighty weapons of God. God's Word, the Spirit of truth. These are the mighty weapons of God. When you get those weapons moving forward, you're going to get the mind of Christ, and then you're going to operate in the mind of Christ, not in the mind of yourself. So then, verse 5, he brings it together. We destroy every proud, how? God's mighty weapons. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Every proud obstacle, you can name them in our society today. Every proud obstacle that I am my own person. I am in charge of me. I can choose what to do with my body. I can choose what sexual um, uh, orientation I desire. Or other religions. I can choose this religion. doesn't matter what it's built upon. I get to choose it because it's just as good as Christianity. And, and we can begin to tear down those proud obstacles. How? Not by human reasoning. Apologetics is good. But at the end of the day, you can't tear down anybody's proud obstacle. You can't. Holy Spirit has to do that. You can tear down these proud obstacles that are keeping people from knowing God. One of the proud obstacles I've seen many times over the years is somebody has just said for so many years, I'm not going to serve Jesus. You'll never catch me in a church. I don't care about Christianity. You know, that can build up so strong in our heart that even when the Holy Spirit is showing us that this is truth, showing us this is truth, and showing us we need to be with other Christians together, praying and worshiping together, we need to be in church, we need to be doing this kind of stuff. Our pride that has said for however many years, I'm never going to darken the doors of a church, 
that pride will keep, and Satan will use it directly against you, use your own words against you to try to keep you from God, to try to keep you from truth, try to keep you from forgiveness. And you could go through all kinds of, of proud obstacles um, that we have in our life. Th- this is why um, when you see things like um, where it's difficult for a rich man to get into the kingdom, it's impossible for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. And then he says a few verses later, but with God, all things are possible. Um, the reason is because our, our, our wealth, which can lead to other things, social standing, um, materialism, uh, honor in society, all these other kind of things, that that pride can, can, can hinder you being used by God, first being uh, uh, understanding God and, and knowing God, getting saved, and then being used by God because we, we can't lower ourselves to whatever we think, whatever categories we put together that is Christianity, we can't lower ourselves to that. I've seen that before. People that are that are in society, uh, movie stars and everything. I, I saw Dion Sanders say this one time when he first got saved. He said, "I got saved at the top of my career, not at the bottom of my career, where I didn't have anything else like most people get saved." That seemed to be arrogance when he said that, but I didn't see it that way. I saw it as him saying, "Most times, the reason that people can finally get saved is because they have nothing else." He said, "I have everything else." considered at that time, and still by many people, considered the best cornerback that's ever played the game. A, a shutdown, a complete shutdown cornerback. And he says, I got saved at the top of my game financially, uh, physically, everything else. What he was saying is, is I submitted to God when I had everything, not when I had nothing. I submitted to God when I had everything. That, I think that's a powerful statement. It would be like... Um, it would be like uh, some some famous movie star that you think is the, the, the all that right now, just just completely submitting to God and saying, God, I need you above everything. And, and I submit to you, I surrender to you, and I'm stopping the old life. Well, they're going to pay you $150 million for the next movie. Well, not if it's got that trash in it. I'm not going to do it. Man, that, that would, that's, that's unheard of. That's unheard of. But, I mean, it happens every now and then, but, man, it's so rare. Because Why? It's a proud obstacle. Look at this again. We destroy every, through God's mighty weapons, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. The, the, the rebellious thoughts of who? Not people. The rebellious thoughts of every proud obstacle. The rebellious thoughts of the things that we are creating in our own mind. We are creating, we care, capture those thoughts and we bring it to obedience to Christ. When, when Satan tries to infiltrate you with fear, you capture fear, you bring it to your, to your, to your um, conscious thinking, and you say, is this a God thought or is this a Satan thought? And you can quickly get there with just about anything. Is this a God thought or is this a Satan thought? Well, fear doesn't come from God. So if you're dealing with fear, you automatically know it's a Satan thought. You capture that and you bring it to obedience to Christ. What does that mean? You, you subdue it with the power of the mighty weapons of God. Praying in the Spirit, His truth, the things that are honorable, the things that are pure. Uh, praying in the Spirit, worshiping the Spirit. You bring that thought into the obedience of the thoughts of God, the peace of God that guards your heart and your mind. You bring that thought of fear and you say, does it match up to these other things? No. Then 
and you are destroyed, and I think on these things. The fear is destroyed, the worry is destroyed, and I think on things of love, and I think on things of purity, and you are destroyed, worry, and I think on things of righteousness, and you are destroyed, anxiousness and, and, and doubt. You're destroyed because my mind goes to things that are pure and honest and admirable, and my mind goes to the, to the peace in my spirit and in mind. My mind goes to, to Jesus and his word, and I, and I subdue those thoughts, and I put them into obedience to Christ. Christ is the authority over those thoughts, and I can push them away from me. And, you, and you, the more you fight that way, the more you learn that, the more you get that in your mind, you can come quickly, quickly combat those things in ways that, that maybe right now you're like, I, I feel powerless to this. Start this process. Start these things. Get them as a, as a constant routine in your mind. Pray without ceasing. Getting that going. Getting that moving through your mind and your spirit. And there, there will come a time where maybe a, a week from now, a month from now, six months from now, where all of a sudden that same thing that usually jumps into your mind and your spirit and, and begins to take control and begins to get power over you will be powerless because you are letting the Holy Spirit guide your thoughts. Your mind is, is the mind of Christ. You can, you can do this. It's very simple. Just, t- just taking the small little scriptures that I use tonight, there's tons out there that, w- that will do more than this. But just taking those few scriptures and begin to saying, this is my routine. This is my thinking routine. This is my praying routine. This is my attitude routine every single day. And begin to roll that through. And anytime something jumps in, check it. Is that from God? Not cast it away. Get in that mind routine. Get in that mind routine. That's God's mighty weapons, and it's amazing what God can do with that. All right. Um, any questions? I can't hear you. You're going to have to speak up. Yell at your TV. Yell at your computer right now, and, and I can hear you. Okay, sorry, I can't hear you. So we're going to pray. And uh, so, so what, are, what are we going to pray about? Think to yourself right now, what, how am I going to pray about this? I'm going to pray for us generally, but I think as we're praying, you need to pray for things that are very specific to you about the stuff that I'm talking about. You know the things that get in your mind and, and, and in your spirit and begin to take over and consume. You know, I don't know the things for you. I know the things for me. You know the things for you. So get in there and begin to pray. God, show me. Show me. What do I do with this? What do I do with this? How do I deal with that? Let the Holy Spirit guide your prayer as I pray for all of us. And, uh, and parents, if, you're, if you were there with your kids, you know some of these things with your kids. Pray for your kids. If you can talk to your kids about some of the things that you struggle with, have them pray for you during this time also. That would be huge. All right? So, so let me pray for you. God, we lift... Of you, we lift up your name, your, your, your uh, just amazingness. We lift that up right now in front of our, our, our spirit and our eyes. We lift you up, that we want to look at you. We want to see things through you. We want our mind to begin to be what you want it to be. So, God, we thank you. We worship you. Lord, we worship you. You're the king. You're the ruler of everything. God, we thank you. Lord, I pray, I pray specifically for us. Across, across Church of Briargate or anybody that's, that's online um, paying attention, Lord, we, I lift them up to you right now. Get in their mind. Get in their thinking process right now and help them to realize the things that, are, that they're bringing in that are negative, that are harmful, and help them to realize the things that they're bringing in that are of you. Lord, help us to pray. Help us to pray in the Spirit. Help us to worship in the Spirit. Help us to, to let your peace guard our heart and our mind. Help us to think on the things that we need to think on. Lord, and begin to take control of this and get in our minds right. Get in our minds right. Get in our minds right. God, I pray against the junk, whether it be worry or fear or whatever. But God, there's so many thousands of things that Satan will try to infect different people with. 
Lord, we, we pray against those things. Bring their thoughts. Help them bring their thoughts into obedience to you. God, that they consciously think, that's not from God. I cast it away. I push it out. And I think on the right things. I think on your word. I think on the fact that I'm forgiven. I think on the fact that I've been given uh, just an earnest of the inheritance and I'm going to be given the whole thing someday. I think on the fact that I get to spend eternity married to Jesus Christ. I think on the fact that his word is, is like a sword that can cut through anything in my spirit and, and bring truth to the surface. I think on the fact that he loves me more than anything I will ever be able to comprehend and that he has given me the ability, if I will go there, he has given me the ability to love him back and to love his creation, his people, the way that he wants me to. God, help me to think on those things. Help me to think on the fact that you own the cows on a thousand hills, that you own the thousand hills and you own the thousand planets that each hill might be on at different, at, at different places in our universe. Lord, you own everything. You own every star. You own everything. And so when I look at my bills, help me to think on the truth that you are the God of everything, including finances. God, I pray that we would think on the things that you want us to think on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Break through the stuff. God, we won't worry. We will pray instead. We will pray instead. God, we won't be defeated. We will pray instead. We won't give in to temptation. We will pray instead. And Lord, we will also teach ourselves, learn through your word and through your Holy Spirit to pray in the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. God, keep us safe, strong, healthy. God, help our country as we're beginning to break out of this craziness. We're beginning to rise to the surface and see a little bit of truth. God, help us to, to do this quickly. Help us to do it effectively. God, I pray all across our nation that people will look to you more than ever before, that you will speak into their spirit, that the, that the unrest that they're having and the reason that they, they don't quite know why, but something ain't right, it's because you're stirring their hearts. Lord, we trust that and we believe that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, you're getting a little bit of freedom. Get out there. Do some things. Um, talk to some people. Pray for some people. Do something. And, uh, and we will see you. And we're only going to do this 10 o'clock service for the next two or three weeks until more and more people begin to come back, maybe a month or so. But we're only going to do this one service a while until we begin to fill this back up and we can't have that one service anymore. And we can go back to having children's ministries and all kinds of stuff. But we don't know when that is. But, but we are going to be doing one service at 10 for a while, still a little while, until we see a reason to begin to transition that. We'll let you know. All right. Uh, see you Sunday morning. Have a great rest of your week.